go through the book of Revelation. We're up to the third church, the church in Pergamon. It's found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. And it all comes from uh, John. And John, he was on a lot, an island, and is in the Mediterranean. It's just off the coast of Turkey. Uh, near the end of the first century or start of the second century, he was praying and, and meditating in, uh, in the Spirit. In, and he has this vision. And there's basically three parts to the vision. First part is who Jesus is, chapter 1. And then uh, chapter 2 and 3, it's of what is of what's happening to the churches, the churches that he loved, given his life for, uh, on the mainland there in, in Turkey. And then uh, chapters 4 to 22 of what is to come. And there's, a, there's some similarity in each of the seven churches that he talks about. Uh, there's, uh refers back to chapter 1 of who Jesus is. And so in the first church, the Ephesus it starts by saying, from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the lampstands, the churches, that means. Oh, that's great that, that Jesus is there. He's involved. He's intimate. He's right there. It's, it's awesome. That's lovely. And then the second church, Smyrna, the words of the one who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Oh, that's, that's cool. The power, the victory of Jesus, and the, the empathy. That's lovely. Church 3, Pergamon. These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live. <laughs> Whoa, that's scary. It's scary. And, and uh, verse 16 says, The sword is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. I know where you live, Pergamon. Pergamon. And Pergamon was a scary place to live. As a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, it was a tough, tough place to live. Pergamon, it's hard, hard going for a follower of Jesus. Scary town. Uh, our family we were driving maybe about 10 years ago, no, 12, uh, in, a, in Ouagadougou, which is the capital of Burkina Faso. And we were in, in the capital. We lived actually in the far north, but we'd come down once a month or every five, six weeks. And we were driving. With the, the kids were little then. And uh, this is a bit weird. Um, there was smoke all over town. And there were um, people running across the road, young people running across the road. And they were, and oh, well, they're burning tires. Oh, they're rioting. And I says, uh, the family, we're actually not going to drive into town today. So, <laughs> so we drove around and came back to the mission base. 
But Pergamum was a tough town, scary town to be a Christian. Late in the first century, it's, uh, it was about 65 kilometers north of Smyrna, 15 kilometers inland. It was elevated 300 meters up high. Had a, it's a big town from they, they're saying between 120,000 to 200,000. So at the very least, it was three times as big as Gisborne. It was a big town. Had three temples dedicated to emperor worship. Had a library of 200,000 parchments. And in this scary town, it was a tough town to be a Christian. And something special was needed. It was a tough town. It had uh, one of the Greco-Roman gods was Asclepius, Asclepius. And he was the god of healing, of medicine and healing. His symbol was a snake. And so all over Pergamon were the symbols of snakes. There was uh, other altars to the Greek god of Zeus, of Zeus, Zeus, Zeus. Zeus. <laughs> the altar was uh, 35 meters by 35 meters, five meters high. Pergamon was the local center of the Roman governor of the whole region. AD 29, a temple was built for the worship of the Emperor Augustus. Pergamon was a tough town to be a, be a Christian. The spiritual oppression of Pergamon was huge. Of all the seven towns, was Pergamon where a Christian was most likely to clash with the uh, emperor cult of emperor worship. Practice of pagan worship was Everywhere around town, wherever you looked, there was pagan worship. Tough town to be a Christian if you're a disciple of Jesus. And it says, this is where Satan lives, verse 13. This is the place where Satan lives. Te wahi e noho na ahatana. So let's read the scripture. Revelation 2 Verses 12 to 17. These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice Israelites to sin, so that they, also, they ate foods, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, 
I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. What do they need in Pergamon, in this tough, tough town? What do they need? They need courage, courage, courage. And they had it. They had courage to a certain degree. They had it in regard to one challenge, but not to another. And actually, they needed it in both places. Courage. They did have courage in amongst the pagans. Verse 13, they did. Most had remained faithful to Jesus, even when their beloved leader, Antipas, when, when they killed him, when he was killed, they didn't give up. They had courage. And if you think it's hard living in New Zealand in 2021, and it's increasingly pagan, that's true. Imagine living in Pergamon, where they were killing people for following Jesus. Antipas was the first, there were to be others. Imagine living in Pergamon, surrounded by temples that would worship the Roman emperor, uh, meat feasts and cultic prostitution, snake symbols all over the place, worship of Asclepius, worship of Zeus, Athene, um, Dionysus, other, other Roman Greco gods. But the Christians at Pergamon, by and large, had remained hugely, hugely courageous amongst the pagans. They'd done well, surprisingly well, given the context, given the challenges, done well. They had displayed great courage, great courage. But, and this seems strange, really, when you think about it, they had great courage amongst the pagans, they did but they didn't have courage amongst the pilgrims, <laughs> their fellow Christians. They had allowed some to hold to the teachings of two errant groups inside of the church, verses 15 and 16. And that seems weird, really, that they were staunch as amongst the pagans. Staunch as, but dodgy amongst the Christians. Whoa. And that's strange, and it's dangerous. You know, but in, in any organization, any organization is, is created not only by what you promote, but by what you allow. Right? Any organization is not only about what you promote, but by what you allow. So, for instance, if you have a sports team or a classroom you're in charge of, and you may not be, be promoting swearing, but if you allow it, you have it. It's not only what you promote, but what you allow. And at Pergamon, they had allowed some teaching and behavior to exist that should not have been there in the church. And roots have shoots. You have weeds in your grass, you don't just mow them, you need to dig them out. <laughs> and get them off the property. <laughs> Two groups had infiltrated the church at Pergamon. 
both some of the Nicolaitans seen early in the church at Ephesus, and those also second group that hold to the teaching of Balaam. And both groups had lax standards of morality and worship. Balaam was a reference to the wanderings in the desert way back in the old days. The Israelites were going through the desert. Numbers 31.16. And Balaam had tried to curse and failed, tried and failed to curse the people of Israel. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. And so what he did, he ended up doing was laying a, a, a honey trap where he got the young woman to entice Israelite men to come and participate in the ceremonies that included meats and sexual immorality. And some of those in Pergamon were promoting the teaching that rather than courage against this and confrontation against this paganism, they said a better response was compromise. Compromise. Let's, let's not make a scene. Let's just allow this. This is a, it's okay. And, and they allowed people to teach this in the church. And that's weird, really. Contending strongly against the paganism out there. Those strangers that were confronting them out there in a dangerous and physical way. And it got their brother Antipas killed. But they were compromising with their brothers and sisters that had a more tolerant way of looking at it. But for the faith, for our faith, heresy and compromise is way more dangerous than aggression and violence. You know, and, we, and yeast works through the dough. Why would they be courageous in regard to the pagans and cowards relating to their brother Christians? Why would they? Why would they? Why would we? Why would we? And the reason is this. We have made an idol out of community. We have made an idol out of community. Our highest goal is not to offend our friends and our family. We have made an idol out of community. And we happily sacrifice truth in order to not offend people close to us. And my friends, that is idol worship. We've made an idol out of non-offending. And Jesus is not impressed by that. It's a false peace. It's a disaster waiting to unfold. When Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, he said the first and greatest is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, but it's not first equal. They both don't get a gold. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, In a family of five, there'll be three for me and two against. Or two for me and three against. Well, that's going to make Christmas dinner awkward, isn't it? (laughs) But it is what it is. 
not everyone really close to us is totally for Jesus. And they'll try to promote stuff that is not true, that is not right, that is not helpful. And will we stand with courage against those we know and love closely? Because it's easy to have courage against the strangers out there. But what about our friends and our family when they go down the wrong trail? Will we have courage in that regard too? And by the way, giving warning to our friends and family is love, not hate. When we warn people of impending doom, that's love, that's not hate. And when John says to his brothers at Pergamon, watch out, Jesus has a sword and it's coming out of his mouth and he'll unleash it on you unless you resist those who try to promote compromise with the prevailing culture out there, is because... Not because he hated them, because he loved them. Wanted to warn them. That's love, that's not hate. First book of Samuel. Samuel talked to the priest, Eli at Shiloh. And in some ways, uh, some ways Eli was, he was okay. You know, he blessed Hannah and Elkanah. And then uh, the, the prophet Samuel uh, comes. But there's a dark side though to Eli. Eli had two sons that he would not control. And they bullied meat out of the worshippers at Shiloh and sex from the woman um, serving at, at, the, at the Shiloh there, tent of meeting. And an unnamed prophet came to Eli and he asked this question on behalf of God. Why do you honour your sons more than you honour me? That's what the prophet asked on behalf of God, of Eli. Why do you honour your sons more than you honor me. 1 Samuel 2.29 Eli does nothing. Time goes on. The prophet Samuel is born. Miraculous. Very old parents. Hannah. Elkanah. And one night as a young, young boy, God spoke to Samuel in a dream and said that he was going to bring judgment on Eli. And everyone heard it's going to make the ears tickle. <laughs> tingle. Tingle. Uh, going to bring judgment on Eli because he knew about his son's shenanigans and he failed to restrain them. And that is exactly what God did. He's gonna, he brought huge judgment, destructive judgment on Eli. He knew about his son's behavior and he would not res restrain them. Catastrophic. Good news. You want some good news? Good news. And we might miss out on the barbecue steaks with the pagan worship and the cuddles with the strangers. But if you refuse those fleeting pleasures, there will be an incredible reward. Verse 17. To the one who is victorious. To the one who is victorious. Two things, two spoils for the victors. Hidden manna refers to the manna of the Israelites back in the desert that God provided. And at Pergamon and Gisborne, if we resist paganism and stay faithful and staunch, even when our brothers and sisters go rogue and compromise, God will provide food like he did in the desert. Revelation 21, 22 
Um, the picture there is not just food, but of a wedding feast. Ever been to a wedding where there's bad food? Hopefully not. Normally it's really, really fantastic, isn't it? It's one of the things. This is what we're looking forward to, the wedding feast and the, of the lamb and the groom, the bride. Woo! And Jewish days, weddings went for a week. Go on and on. And you'd be given white stones. Uh, two possible meanings of that. Uh, one is that in those days, in, in courts, one of the ways it was indicated whether the person was guilty or not, they had stones. And if you were given a black stone, you were guilty. If you were given a white stone, you were not guilty. The other uh, possible thing is that people were uh, used stones for entry into different events like the arenas. And this is, you'll be given a white stone to enter into the glorious future that God has prepared for us with Jesus. Maybe it's both. Maybe it means both. But in a tough, tough town, to be a Christian, to get that place of victory, we need something and we need courage. Not just for out there, but even for those that we know and love amongst us. Okay? And that's what we're going to pray for today. I'm going to pray for courage for us. And um, got a prayer corner there if you want something in regard to courage, uh, friends, family, situation, work, whatever. People love to pray for you there. Uh, anything else, people love to pray for you. But let's pray now. And we'll put on some music too, please, Warren. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this example at Pergamon. And uh, mixture, like we're a mixture and of courage and sometimes cowardice. Um, but Lord, you, 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 um, you encourage us on, you prompt us on, you lead us on to um, hold on to you, to hold on to you. And you said you give us um, mana, you give us the white stones of entry and of the verdict of not guilty if we will be courageous at this time in this tough place. Tough, tough place in history. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. And it's not just that. Not just us, but you give us the Holy Spirit to work in us, to be what we're not. Thank you for that grace, that unmerited generosity. Now I bless my brothers and sisters here in this today, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Lord bless you.